It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I've come down to one of my favorite places to relax. Cool off. I'm by the River Usk. I've just disturbed a dipper which has flown upstream. There's a flock of long-tailed tits here. I can see a heron fishing further downstream. Just a peaceful place, and there's a real cool by the river. We've had such tense heat this month in July. It's a welcome place just to let the mind relax. My name's Fergus Collins. I'm the host of the podcast, and I'm here to introduce episode seven of our latest season, Taste of the Countryside. Now, it's, this season is where we're celebrating food and drink and especially highlighting farmers and food producers who work in harmony with nature. So people who manage a successful business, but also find space for wildlife and see the benefits of having a thriving natural environment around them. So this episode is particularly pertinent. Back in June, I took a trip down to Buckinghamshire, a county I don't know very well, and I enjoyed this incredible day among wildlife on a farm, quite a sort of your average lowland English farm. George and Elaine Morris are the farmers and they proudly showed me around their fields of wheat, barley, sheep and cattle, where a significant proportion of the land had been turned over to attracting wildlife and protecting the wider ecosystem. I was really blown away by what I experienced there. As ever, do get in touch with me. If you've been stirred by the issues that we discuss, uh, my email address is editor at countryfile.com. I've just arrived in the front of the most beautiful brick, ancient brick farmhouse. Possibly 16th century, it looks Tudor with lattices of darker bricks, with the sort of terracotta, tall chimneys, beautiful slate. Uh, farmhouse, Manor Farm, which belongs to George and Elaine Morris. And I'm very interested to come here to talk to them about how they farm with nature too. And they work with the, with Jordans, who most people know from their breakfast cereals and other grain uh, and other products that you see in the supermarket, who have an ethos of wildlife-friendly farming. And so, um, yeah, it's going to be great to have a chat and look around this ancient farm. There go some swallows. Swallows. We've got swallows nesting here. Yeah. Good morning, George. So I'm with George and Elaine, and we're standing in front of, as I say, this most beautiful farmhouse, a backdrop of swallows singing. And how old is this 
gorgeous building? Um, it's supposed to date from about 1620. Oh my goodness. Um, although early Stuarts. Maybe um, maybe the building we're looking at was torched by Cromwell and this was a bit <laughs> right. later. Um, okay. And so, and this has been, how long have your family owned this? Um, we're tenants here. Tenants, okay. And um, the family have farmed here. How long, how long have you farmed here? Um, the farm, our family have farmed here uh, for several generations. It's gone through the female line a couple of times as well. But um, the swallows um, return every year. And um, I was delighted to be told by the farm trader who visits and delivers the um, sheep products that he sees um, so many more swallows here than on the other farms he visits in the area. Oh, and I think it's because we've got the old buildings that haven't been uh, developed. Oh, you've got it, yes. There's a lot of outbuildings, I should describe. There's a lot of outbuildings around sort of a farmyard through there. This is what, we call, what do you call this? This car park, basically. But then yeah. the farmyard through there. And the old stables, the, um, the pig, um, pig accommodation around there. Is open, uh, yeah, so open frontage sheds. And, and, and Even the horse shelter um, has got a nest in it. Oh, really? This is wonderful. Who, who did build it? Um, Robert Dormer. Okay. This is, so yeah. he, he obviously... Local um, landowner in the Stuart period. Yeah, and he's got property that we came across in the Cotswolds near um, Chipping Norton. Um, so obviously... Central England, man. Yeah. Heart of England. Yeah. Hunting Lodge, perhaps. Okay. Yeah. Well, this might have been... Oh, right, OK. Mm. It's extremely handsome. What's it like living in a place like this? Drafty. So it's not double-glazed. It's a lovely, lovely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, quite a lot of maintenance, then, for a house like this. Yeah. And that's part of your tenancy, is looking after the house. Because presumably you've got multi well, I've got responsibilities, and the landlord's got um, others. So I see. Yeah. I see. OK. Yeah. Well... We, we watched um, the wagtails nesting in the uh, gutter up there. Um, we thought they'd made a bad choice, didn't we? Because it yeah. appeared to be in the downpipe. We haven't actually been up because we're more disturbed, we think it's just tucked in just behind the gutter. Oh, I see. Clever. But you Clever. can sit here and watch them and they spend ages on the roof getting brave enough to go there. And they've landed that end and run along the gutter. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> they fledged. they fledged now, haven't they? There's a cat prowling down yeah. the side there. Rodent control. <laughs> so we're also here with... Polly Ratu from Jordan's. Polly, nice to meet you as well. Nice to meet you. You're going to fill us in a little bit about the whole ethos of Jordan's yes, and how you work yeah. with, with George and yeah. Elaine. Um, obviously, you've got this keen interest in wildlife. Um, like you've shown me photos, you've knowledgeable about what's going on around you, and that's part imbued your farming here. Well, you farm with nature. Well, some people do. You try and farm with nature rather than against it. Yeah, and, um, it makes life easier. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a journey, and, and I think I'm learning more as we go along. Um, when I went to college and learnt about farming, uh, conservation agriculture wasn't um, wasn't even mentioned. Conservation agriculture. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's actually, that's if you look after the soil, the, uh, the soil will look after you. Okay. That's the principle of it, I think. Mm. So, can you give me a bit of a picture about the farm itself? How big? How big a uh, land? How many acres, hectares? Are you? So, so we farm about um, 200 hectares. Um, on this holding here and some outlying bit, bits of land and um, we keep a herd of um, about 200 suckler cows and um, a flock of breeding ewes, about 400 ewes and their, their lambs okay. and they're all um, Wiltshire horn based so they shed their fleece so we'll see those as we go around. So you don't have to, you don't have to shear them? I think we don't have to shear any of them because we, we, we sheared about five yesterday that right. um, that still them. kept their fleece. Yeah. Okay, um, it's hot, hot weather today, I should describe. So suckler cows, just for listeners' benefit. Yeah, we've got my benefit. Yeah. Also, uh, we've, got six, we've got about 70 or 80 cows and yeah. then their offspring. This spawn this spring and then we've stored last year's. So they're mostly for so beef. So you're raising, you're raising the calves for beef? They stay with their mothers um, six, seven, eight months till we wean them. Mm -hmm. And then they spend their whole life here and they go direct from here. Either we do some for the farm shop or we sell... So, so you've got a farm shop on site. We do the local farmers market in Winslow, yes. yeah. and um, and others go to um, the Hereford Beef goes to the co-op, and um, some of the other beef goes to uh, the Morrison's chain. Okay. So alongside alongside the livestock, you've got some of the land is obviously working with Jordans. Yeah. So we crops we rotate the grass and the crops, and um, 
Oh, does that mean what? So the cows are on pasture, and then you'll you'll put crops so, on there after. So one or two fields each year will change from pasture into crops, and um, we'll re-sow some new new grass clover species uh, to replace it. So that's a sort of cycle of livestock and arable, which yeah, to my mind, isn't that common these days. Or um, am I? I think we're um, we haven't here. changed that system over the generations here. Uh, but it's coming back into fashion with um, the trends in, uh, in and the problems with extensive arable where the, um, the weeds and the pests are getting on top of the, um, the arable crops. So, so it helps to have the livestock on to, to, to deal with that and to fertilise the land? Is yeah, that it the... does build soil organic matter incidentally, yeah. yeah. Okay, and so that, does that mean that, is this a really cost effective way of making your land more productive? Um, I thought we probably should have made a lot more money by ploughing everything up years ago, but uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's the way this soil works. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite heavy clay, and um, it uh, it doesn't often it doesn't always allow you to to plant what you want when you want. I see. Okay. What are the challenges then? It just is it just so it's a dense clay being. Yes, it, it dries up in summer. It's very, I think they describe it as slowly permeable. So <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> all winter it's mud. Yeah. <laughs> and summer it's rock. And summer it can go um, go hard and crack okay. and then shrink. Yeah. It sounds like a very funny plant. We've got loads of these swallows. There's 10, Something's 15. upset them, hasn't it? It's yeah, maybe there's a, hop, or or a hobby or something overhead. Might be, yeah. Ah, it's on the post. What is it? Oh, yeah, it's landed by the pond. Oh yeah, uh, sparrowhawk. Sparrowhawk. Yeah. yeah. There it goes. Yeah, yeah. So interesting how they um. The alarm calls of the. Mm. Broken window of the stables, or a sparrowhawk came right in after our swallows. Oh really? By oh. chance, I disturbed it, and in, in a panic, the sparrowhawk broke the window and got, got out. So that broken window, sparrowhawk damage. Yes. Mm. Not, not <laughs> but the swallows actually like it. It's a lot easier for them to come and go now. Zip in and out. <laughs> it's yeah. nested there now. That's but really interesting. So you, yeah all those alarm calls they suddenly got very excited something was wrong what yeah. good eyes to spot that sparrowhawk there fantastic okay so we talked talk about break well should we go and have a look at some of the, some some of the things that you're um, and part of the Jordan's ethos is obviously working with wildlife as well so is that, does that put sort of um, standards or limits to what you can do and what, what chemicals you can use or yeah so our commitment to um to be able to supply Jordans with the oats is uh, to put um, at least 10% of our farmland into um, uh, nature projects and um, we've just got a, a bit more than that here and uh, in, in return they pay us a premium for the oats that we supply to them. I see, okay. and, um, so, so there's a quid pro quo, you, you're producing, you're farming nature and getting a decent price for the yes. sort of compensation for perhaps the land that you might lose. So this, this is looks, uh, there's something here once upon a time. And if this is a permanent pasture field. So this is always grazed. This is it's always grazed. Yeah. Um, I can see the. However, pats of the the original furrow indicates that um, in medieval times it was um, ploughed regularly. Okay, so we're looking at it's a slightly sloping field, sloping towards us, and there are rolling banks coming down, and then sort of parallel to us very clear lines and lumps in the field. I do lump, like lumps and bumps in the landscape. So that's medieval um, medieval farming system. We think so. We think um, every, every ridge and furrow was owned, was farmed by a different um, farmer. Uh, that's sort of strip farming. As strip farming yeah. and they were able to um, enjoy some of the best strips in the best fields and uh, had to accept strips in the not so good fields in the parish I see but we're just crossing um, a big gully and yes, this uh, this is an earthwork you can follow right the way around the village it would be interesting to know Hoggeston. so this goes all the way around does it it's um, some of it's been filled in now yeah but um, it's quite substantial I mean we're in the yeah. middle of it now it's do we know how old, do you know how old that is and what's the significance? I'd like to, um, like to see somebody study it because yeah. I don't really know. Defensive ditch for the, for the hamlet? Or, uh, you can see it being um, a defensive ditch. It wouldn't have ever held water just yeah. there because that piece of land is free draining. 
But we're walking onto the ridge and furrow now, and you can see how it's been cut in by our ancestors. They've taken some some soil away from here. Yes, we're going down. It's almost like an old quarry, really, but it's um, you know, heading down into the to a deep dell. Rabbits here. Looks like rabbit warren. Is that? We bring the school children out here and ask them um, who they think lives in these holes. <laughs> so am, am I going to be wrong? They start with moles and rabbits. Ah, big holes actually. And uh, and then we perhaps get foxes. And eventually they. Um, this, is, this isn't badgers, is it? They get to badgers. Yeah. This is a badger set. Very exposed badger set. Normally I'm used to them being in hedge banks and things like that. So this is a. It's actually um, it's, it's actually um, gone quiet here recently, so you can't see new soil brought out every um, every night. Um, so I guess they've um, they've moved their fa family on recently. It's a very extensive set. I mean, it goes over the size of a tennis court or more, and um, with big excavations, big holes. So they were living out here in the open. We've had cameras up here. When there's no stock in the field, we can put. Um, a trigger camera, trail camera out here, and um, so the badgers have been picked up on that. I, I mean, the inevitable question. I've got one positive question, one sort of uh, TB and badgers. Or you've got a cattle farm here. Have We've you got had... a cattle farm here. TB's in the area. Um, we've been um, lucky to tested clear of the disease. Yeah. Um, fingers well, crossed, we, Elaine. Yeah, is fingers crossed. So while we um, while we've got badgers here we believe they're clear of the disease too yeah and um we're happy for them to here if we if we didn't have these badges here others might migrate in yeah. that aren't so clean yes so. the perturbation effect what they call it don't they mm. if you get rid of them they, others yeah. come in and they might there's a red kite just going overhead at the moment you obviously take a great delight in the wildlife on your farm you know, we've talked a lot about you've you sort of shown me the the swallows talk about the wagtails and the badgers. This is part of your farming experience, is to farm. Well, they all have implications on our farming way of life as well. Yeah. So, uh, so. Positive or negative? Well, both. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's making the best of it, really. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. sure. And this this grass here is um, is crested uh, dog's tail. Crested dog's tail. And uh, it grows things. here yeah. naturally, but it's what. Some of the species we've planted under a, a conservation scheme. So this is one. This is a planted. Uh, no, this no, is uh, this, this is natural. natural. That's, yeah. Um, black. Black medic. Black medic. Yeah. yeah. There. Lovely. So black medic and self heal sound like they're sort of medicinal herbs for, for probably had their uses when this was rich and furrow. Yeah. And for, yeah. for curing the curing the sick. I think a lot of people out walking the countryside will see green fields of just what's the predominant sort of pasture grass that people sow is it sort of rye type thing those cultivated grasses are uh, a rye grass and, and here's some growing in this permanent That's pasture right. okay. which um but it doesn't dominate here it's no it's no, a real mixture it's kind of refreshing to see the variety of wildflowers and grasses That's this is um a shelter belt we planted to provide um, shelter from the east wind when we're lambing. This is new then. Did you have a hedgerow behind there originally? The hedgerow is still yeah. there. It's, it's um, grown up because we haven't um, been able to get there with a the hedge trimmer. Yeah. And, um, but you've added five metres or so of margin to this field. Yeah. So you've lost a bit of field, but you've gained... Gained some shelter. Gained some shelter, and yeah. that's... Does it's it certainly beneficial. The day they uh, drop their lambs is the important bit. Yeah. And if the wind's blowing from the east, um, this is giving some uh, important yeah. sh shelter for them. It's definitely blowing from the west today, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. on my back. So I'm looking yeah. at the shelter. This obviously is fantastic habitat because it's all a variety of different species, but also uh, growth is, is very varied. Um, and does it have any other benefits, like sort of preventing soil erosion or stuff like that, or is that is it more? It doesn't just for particularly shelter? just here, but um, catkins are one of the earliest uh, pollen sources pollen. Yeah. for bumblebees, and so um, it's quite active here um, in the early spring. Yeah. 
when uh, when the margins haven't um, started producing their flowers and things. So catkins, this is a good sort of. And you can see there's lots of brambles um, just about coming into flower. Mm -hmm. A lot of people would wonder why perhaps their sheep aren't doing so well. And it's a, I suppose it's not as simple thing because you've got to wait for this to grow. But once it's up and running, it's working like a like having a shed out here. But yeah. And, and um, as our cattle numbers increased, we no longer had space to lamb the sheep indoors. Mm. And um, with the uh, Wilchhorn um, Easy Care type of sheep, it just seems logical to go back to what they're good at, mm. which is lambing outside with the lower costs. And it means that we don't have um, uh, to use antibiotics routinely to control um, a condition that's uh, prevalent in lambing pens. Uh, oh really, out. so if you come inside there's more chance of them passing on pathogens yeah. and things like that. Yeah. So there's a healthy so thing that about helps in the round. Right, yeah. okay. So you also get the shade element when it's really hot in the summer, don't you? You've got them fenced on just a boring grass field with no shelter. They, 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 you get Sometimes they'll all be up here under the shade, won't they, in the yeah. heat of the day. Mm. We cut ours in, uh, in February if we can. Yeah. Uh, the unfortunate thing is it's sometimes really wet ground and the, the yeah. machine makes a a mark, but um, by well, that the time the berries have and the birds yeah. have, have, have Field finished. arrive on mass, don't they? Yes. And, um, and we'll rotate it so we, we don't cut every hedge every year, we do every two or three years. Someone gave us the advice of doing um, different sides of the hedge rather than all of that hedge one year and doing one side of it one year so you keep the variation within the same okay, hedge line. So it's just not massacring everything no. every year, it's just being a little bit less. Because they do need trimming, otherwise they're just a row of trees in the end. Yeah, you lose the sure. hedgerow impact, don't you? But sure, sure. And the current debate's about them. carbon, and um, I think of all the carbon that the hedges must be taking up, and they're there anyway, aren't they? Mm. So what I should say, while we're speaking, there are butterflies along this. We've got a field margin. A field of... Is this oats? These are oats. Oats here. So, so these are hopefully destined to go to, to, yeah. to Jordan's for their cereals. <laughs> and how are, you, how, are you, how are they feeling, Elaine? Elaine's running her hands over them oh, rather lovingly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> They've just come out fully into ear now, haven't they? And they are lovely. Yeah, so oats have these loose ears of, uh, you know, when you look at sort of wheat and, and, and the, the, the kind of... Bells almost. Bells, yeah, yeah, that's the best description. Um, looking good? Yes, looking good. Yeah. Uh, very see. few weeds out here. Um, there's been some mildew that we've had to um, put a chemical on to... To uh, control Keep the mildew down, but that's okay. um, that's um, doing its job now. Okay. So some chemicals are used here. You can't get away from all all chemical usage. Yeah, we've we've um, tried to reduce the insecticides um, so that we hardly ever use any of those now. Um, everybody's uh, heard about the neonicotinoids debate, yeah. um, but a lot of the um, the ones that the chemicals that people can use for pests um, when that was banned don't work that well because the pests have overcome the um, oh, they've evolved. chemical. They've yeah. evolved. The arms race yeah. has... has uh, um, well, this looks like a very healthy crop, but alongside it, we've got this sort of... I mean, I'm going to hesitate. Napweeds? Napweed um, is, napweed? is the element we've sown, and um, the soil really loves napweed. Well, lapweed loves our soil. Yeah. These are beautiful. They look easy to confuse with thistles because they've got these lovely purple sort of upturned bell-type flowers and they're just... They're just oh, there's a tortoiseshell butterflies. are beautiful. You've seen meadow browns. There are insects buzzing around here in just profusion of... So, and this is quite a wide margin. What is it? Four or five? It's about six, eight metres. Eight metres yeah. wide, OK. Yeah. This is incredible. This is great. So this is part of the plan that these this creates a sort of biodiversity that helps yeah and this is ongoing so this is um it's been sown about five years ago and um we uh, we don't have to do much except remove some of the seeds um so we'll probably cut three meters of it um the end of june july and um the rest will flower on and hopefully what we've cut will flower again later. Oh, I see. So you get another sort of burst of... Later. Yeah. Sends up another... It's moving with hoverflies yeah, and insects yeah, when I, you start I focusing... Yeah, pick up on the... Just the background They're buzz of... 
There's an orange something That's there, a skipper, yeah. A small skipper. You've got good eyes. Oh, no, and a seven-spot ladybird here. Just, um... Which you don't see quite so many these days. Brilliant. What a place. So that must give you some joy of just, yes, like, lovely, gr growing wildlife here. So Do that you... goes all the way around this crop of oats. Right, right all the way, way around? around it? Okay, yeah. so it's not just down one side. No. Does this have an economic benefit, or is it part of the deal with Jordans that you know, you've got this land, you've got this treasure here that you can... No, the economic benefit is the, the premium we get on the, uh, the crop in the field. Yeah. Um, in fact, it does have a drawback. So when this is in grass mm. and um, we have electric fence to keep the stock off this wildflower margin, they can't benefit from the shade ah. from the hedge and the trees. So there is, there is a drawback to okay, this. Okay, so there's a, there's, um, that's, I see that's quite interesting. Could you let them on here, or would that break the You're break the bond? Year, aren't you? Yeah, only in the winter time. Okay, yeah. so that's um, yeah, which, which they don't need the shade quite so yeah. much. It's interesting. Bill Bill Jordan was a co-founder in 1985 of conservation grade farming. Um, so that's kind of where the Jordans the Jordans Farm Partnership has essentially been born out of of that ethos, um, which back in the 80s was obviously well ahead of its time. Um, so they, as yeah, as George just said, they're absolutely connected. Hmm. So obviously, the subsidy schemes are changing. ELMS is that going to yeah, appeal? That's, that's just being launched. Yeah. Um, there's um, everyone's faces are sort of. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> there's an opportunity for some small amounts of money, but there's costs associated with that. So yeah. um, everyone's going to be in the detail, isn't it? Yeah, mm. and yeah. it keeps changing the detail. It's not fixed yet, is no, it? No, no, and it's. Um, is there an end to the current uh, environment stewardship scheme? There's or? a countryside stewardship which has superseded it already. I see, okay. Um, financially, I can't swap from one to the other without having a 10-month funding gap, oh, okay. which has so um, stalled yeah. my interest yeah. in that. <laughs> and, yeah. um, but I'm told the, um, the fact that we've Brexited now mm. is enabling the, um, the DEFRA policy makers to devise their own rules and yeah. um, so see how the transition should be possible in the future. Um, what are these softer, are these more thistly aren't they down here? There's, oh, yeah, these are creeping thistles. Creeping yeah, thistles. thistles. <laughs> yeah, they're, uh, <laughs> they love our not, soil as well. And they're not so loved I suspect. <laughs> it goes they're all the way burn. around. I'm just wondering yeah. if, if we take a shortcut through the crop um, where there's some more interesting things okay. on the margin. Are you sure you want to walk next? through the... Uh, yeah, yeah find a tramway. Let's oh, go okay, back and fine, pick up cute. a tramway. For a moment I thought we were going to plunge into that. Yeah, when we had the, the school children come, they go off down the tramline and you just see their little hats running <laughs> along in the line down the field. Excellent. But they always follow the tramline around and come back again. <laughs> so you have school parties visiting. That sounds quite a healthy thing to... Um, yeah. yeah mostly local schools now, isn't it? How do you find so they'd be sort of country children? I say in inver inverted commas, really. But yes, but not had a lot to do with the country. A lot of them. No. Okay. Um, so some of them are local schools that come to us by word of mouth. Okay, okay. Um, some of them, the, the country trust organises school visits out, so they're organising ladies sorts out some Ellsbury schools that come out. It's uh, always quite enlightening the questions they ask. <laughs> yeah. Their knowledge. Do you find that? I mean, we often there's a lot of talk about children today and their parents not, yeah, I mean, not some of them have never knowledge. been yeah. near to animals yeah. or crops and we it's usually based around food food and what we can grow in this country and what we can't yeah george does a sort of shopping bag challenge and gets things out and we decide if we grow them in this country or not oh that's a cunning idea that would <laughs> yeah. make a really good podcast actually. yeah i think that would be yeah. so this is the sound of us swishing through a field of oats uh, we're just heading down a tram line and we're in this green sea of... And what can we see around? You pointed out a line of hills behind us to the west. That's the Quainton, Quainton Hills behind Quainton us. Quainton Hills. That's... Hills of Buckinghamshire. Quainton Hills. So I don't, I don't know them. We don't, so sort of... we're, about a, we're about a mile from the watershed to our south. And the water um, that falls on this farm runs all the way out to the, the wash through the Great Ouse. Yeah. And um, if you spill a bucket of water at the other side of the sight line, yeah. it'll go down to the Thames. Oh, okay. So we're right on a ridge here yeah. between the two sort of 
catchments. Two catchments. Yeah. Just the Chilterns you can see right Oh, there. okay, so that's, that's, that's good. Okay, so we're that, that's, cross that, back way that's really. the northern edge of the Chilterns. Yeah. yeah good. That helps put us in some perspective. I've come all the way through the, bar, uh, through the oats to the opposite field margin. And here we've got some um, ladies' bed straw. The yeah. yellow flower, frothing yellow flower, which oh, there's a yellow hammer in the background, and a white throat, and an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> the yes, Luton Airport. Oh, there we go, lovely. The white, uh, the yellow hammer. It's a lady's bed straw. Um, does that? Do you know why it's called lady's bed straw? Fantastic names, these old um, yeah, yeah, native flowers, haven't they? Well, I imagine they used to. Uh, to dry it and use it um, for bedding. Should we smell it? I'm going to just smell it, see if it was, because uh, someone says it smells very sweet. Yeah, yellow hammer in the background. It does have a sweet smell. So maybe you put that in the bed and... Uh, <laughs> it's to dry it and they can use it to make the bed smell. Is that, is that so. that's it, ladies' bed straw? Well, there's lots of it here, so you mm. could... Uh, and the oxide daisies... Uh, They're nearly over, aren't they? Nearly over. Yeah, that's lovely. The white's disappearing there. Hemlock there. Hemlock, okay, yeah, that's yeah. the big, yeah, okay. Yeah, Some just, of the weeds we don't like so much are quite should, keen yeah. as well. That's <laughs> poisonous to our animals, so we don't Careful like that. Careful that one. Oh, right, okay, so you so have to be... The hedge here is interesting because mm. it's, um, it's elm. elm, and it's suckers growing from the old elm trees that died with Dutch elm disease in the 1970s. So they still cling on. And they, yeah, the, roots the roots are, mm. have never died, and they keep growing back. And if we allowed the hedge to grow up, as, um, as we had done there, they get to a certain height, about... Uh, there's, there's some dead... 20... Just, there's some dead branches feet lying yeah. laterally. 20 feet high, and then... And the, the, uh, I think the beetle they gets into then, the bark then, yeah. passes on the virus, and they die. And but that's it. doesn't it. kill the roots again. They grow back. That's extraordinary. So it's nice to see some elm trees, but sad that they're never going to get away. Maybe eventually they'll get resistance, but... Uh, yeah. Uh, it's been a long time now, hasn't it? It's like yeah, I mean, there would have been a huge number of elm trees in this area, wouldn't there? Yeah. It was either dominant tree. And, uh, so a big tree as well. It must have really changed this landscape over the last years. It really 40, opened it up. Years. Yeah. And it's, it's taken the time since for the villages to disappear again. So the neighbouring village there um, was exposed. And, and the uh, trees, the elms came down. The water tower on the hill was exposed and um, they're all growing in again. Other, other yeah. plants other trees have, now. Other, other yeah. trees have taken over. So but in the hedgerows there's a memory of elms. That's rather mm. kind of... Although we're evocative. seeing some of the ash going now, aren't we? The ash yeah. dieback's beginning yeah. to make its presence felt. Well, I saw it a so, bit, yeah. Mm. We've got it on the farm now. Beginning to. That's that, an that's old, really old, old mature ash. And they've yeah. never done that well on this clay. They don't seem to root very deeply. Right. Whether it's because the, um, the water's always there, they don't need to, to go deep. But they, um, they tend to go stag-headed and um, then rejuvenate over a, a period of years anyway. And um, the ones that... The diseased elm uh, ash seems to be the young younger ones. Younger ones. Mm. So the older ones mm. are doing okay-ish, although they don't really like. They muddle on, yeah, and yeah. The, uh, the new ones are succumbing to the disease. Black poplar is it? Black poplar. Black Thank poplar. You. Okay, yeah. I don't recognise it. It's no. something I don't so come across. It's quite a quite unique to this area. A rare aren't tree they? in bu- in um, in the British Isles, mm. but um, it's quite common in uh, Buckinghamshire. Right. We've got some mature ones on the uh, brook, the other side of the farm. Oh, how lovely. But this has been um, planted by a, yeah. a gorilla gardener planted that one. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is a, lovely now. <laughs> a gorilla gardener who's amongst us today. <laughs> or no, someone else. No, a local yeah. chap planted quite a few around, didn't they? Really? Somebody recognised the importance of the tree. Yeah. And this scaffolding. is a plant that um, loves our soil and um, it, it's found in the permanent pasture. It's uh, yarrow. Uh, so it's got fronds, very like feathery fronds of leaves yeah. and then little... Delicate white flowers at yeah, the top. A little, little sort of bunch of uh, tight head, a bit like a sort of umbrella type head. And nice. that flowers at, at different times to the knapweed as well, mm. over a prolonged period, so there's always something for the, um, the bumblebees. Yeah, there's, they've got a lot, of, there's tons of knapweed here, it's a beautiful corner. Um, as we wander through, I'm just disturbing clouds of insects. So it does show that if you leave a little bit, you get a lot of 
a lot of oh, red. Oh, it's, yeah, it's a tortoise shell, is it? A very faded tortoise Very tortoiseshell. tatty tortoise shell. Did, just didn't recognise it to start yeah, with. It's very it faded, isn't it? It's, it it looks like it's... a long time. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah, it's not so bad. just looks a bit faded. Yes. <laughs> it's had a good time. And I'd like to say that these, um, these orange-ready coloured <laughs> seeds are... Uh, no, they're sorrel, oh, but they're actually dot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is I was sorrel confused. as well, but that's finished pretty much. Yeah. Marble-like butterfly. Pink, isn't it? Yeah. Back yeah. Just settling on the oxide daisies here. Quick. It's the most astonishing butterfly. It's, it's, beautiful, isn't it? it's like a back-to-front speckled wood, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yes. That's, that's, it's a very dramatic-looking butterfly. We've got a skylark here. Just heading up like a little busy little hello skylight. in some Skylark song I've just driven two and a half hours and that has just taken away all the lethargy of the journey it's uh, these bees buzzing around that's a beautiful thing do you got decent Skylark numbers here? yeah we have yeah. Yeah. so we're now heading through a sort of very hidden gap in the hedge a little gate all the while the Skylark sings above us Now we've come to a sheep field with a. So these are your Wiltshire. What did you call these? These are Wiltshire? the Wiltshire horn sheep. Wiltshire They're very distinctive. Quite long horns. Yeah, and the females are horned as well as the males. Yeah. And you said they shed. They're, they're self-shedding. Yeah, it's the only native breed that uh, shed their fleece. Imagine all sheep used to fle- shed their fleece before yeah. um, we valued the wool and harvested it ourselves so yeah. we would have bred it to, um, to to retain the sheep to retain its fleece um, but these were never um, bred that way and um, they're coming back into their own because the cost of employing a contractor to shear the sheep now is coming to the same or more than the value of the wool yeah it's deeply disappointing isn't it because the, the value of um, man-made fibres I suppose yeah yeah Will come back into its own if the well, price, fuel price keeps going up. Well, that's yeah. right, because man made fibers fleeces. are uh, yeah, all those sort of hydrocarbons mm. that are productive. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. How long do you expect this to be livestock for before it goes back to arable again? Uh, about five years. Okay. Yeah, and then we'll plant another crop. Mm. And do you just do one year of crop and then go back to arable, or is it similar? No, a, no. a similar similar okay. time. Okay, yeah. so it's a five-year yeah. rotation. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Are you monitoring the soil throughout that that period as well? Yeah, we've just begun doing that. And um, we're really pleased to find our soil organic matter levels Mm. are quite high. Um, I've not done it until last summer before. And um, we've got um, much higher levels than I was hearing reported Mm. on other farms. Pleasantly surprised, wasn't it? So So is that to do with the rotation then? I think it is, yeah. And what's the nature of farms around? Do they tend to be more single, uh, like arable or livestock? Or I mean, I can't there is a lot of livestock farms that's, that's next in this door, area. So that's yeah. next door there, is it? The, yeah. the cows and yeah. The, yeah. And um, you're probably looking at about five or six different farmers across there, aren't you? Yeah. Most this area is a large, shallow valley. Yeah. Of, um, mm. uh, so yeah, sorry, you were saying what? What's the nature well, of other? There used to be a lot of dairy farmers yeah. in this area. So it was um, a short train journey down to London to the customer. But um, the economics of dairy farming have um, got worse. Yeah. And most of the dairies in the area have, um, have packed up now. I think in many instances as well, it takes as much effort to kind of look after the habitat and the margins as it does some of the crops. And I think, you know, it's a long-term commitment that you guys have, have made. Farming wildlife. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So you've got the... Um 
obviously the skylarks nesting out in some of the bearer some patches, are, is that mm. right? Is that, or do, they, do they like the bearer ground? Or well, never found a nest, have we? No, when we're They're going around, through the crops, we see them um, emerging. Apparently yeah. they never emerge from where their nests are. They always run oh, to a okay. gap and fly up from there to uh, keep the predators off their nest. Cunning, very cunning. Um, mm. But um, there'll, be, there'll be several breeding pairs in each field mm. when, we, when we go through the, with the tractor. Um, what about things like lapwings? Do you have any lapwings <laughs> on the farm anymore? Or have they sort of gone we, away We have all lapwings? A flock um, visit in the winter time sometimes. Yeah. And um, on some other ground that we farm a few villages away, um, we've got a breeding pair oh, for right. the first, the first time. time. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. quite excited yeah. about Treasure. that, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's got a little bit of stone in the ground and a little bit more free draining, yeah. uh, which they seem to like. <laughs> but what's pleasing is since we've stopped tilling, um, the the soil isn't shrinking and cracking anything like it used to. So it's got more resilience. It's, it's got, got more, more resilience. So um, it's been very dry, and you can see some cracks, but um, you used to get your arm down them. In the days of wow. ploughing. Okay, so it's had a benef- benefit just not getting the heavy machinery out here. Yeah, it's had a big impact on. It's been a win-win. Saving fuel. Yeah. Saving you. Does that save you time in terms of like? Yes. Thinking, guy, oh, I just have to drill the wheat. I don't have to. There's only one pass instead of many. Yeah. yeah. So that's only not. So that's. Yeah. Marble White just wants to follow us along the tram line. Yeah, much more thistles here. So is that a reflection of the fact that the nitrates from the field or whatever nutrients from the field are We're good at here. growing thistles anyway. <laughs> um, they are a weed in this margin. And, um, oh, you've got millions of marble... Mm, I say millions. There's, there's 10, 15 marble white butterflies here. And the thistles are good for pollen, aren't they? It's just yeah. that they're a bit take over. Yeah, OK. Just so a few would be good, but they did take over. Oh, yeah. The butterflies are loving them. Yeah. I've never seen so many marble whites in one place. That's... Skippers, Skipper there. yeah, yellow hammers, heavenly. We're surrounded by butterflies here. And there are whites are really hatched, aren't they? It's wonderful, very uplifting to see densities of butterflies like mm. this. Which so we've got 34 farms um, like this one in our partnership at the moment, and um, if you were to add up all of the kind of margins. Um, hedgerows, things like that, it would equal an area the size of, uh, of Oxford. That's the stat we, we really? tend to Gosh, use. Okay, yeah. so again, I'm just blown away by this little skipper's popping yeah. up in front of me. Um, That's amazing. So it's a significant amount of land, and I've, you know, without overdoing it, I've seen more butterflies in here than quite a lot of my local nature reserves. Yeah, it's amazing. So I wonder with the sort of active management here is uh, it's really helping. But but this is, so this is more scrubby here. That is quite good for... It's well, really wet here, doesn't it? And we've got a... Um, just beginning to populate with, um, with hawthorn. So... Because it's rewilding, uh, really, isn't it? Just <laughs> to control that at some point, yeah. There is a white throat here, which... That's bird singing, which is perfect for this sort of territory, little scrubby. Can you actually see it? Yeah. Oh, there, on the edge of the... Yeah. Oh, yes. Lying, yeah. People with better eyesight than me to... So that's a white throat. If you ever, you, listeners, if you ever want a short, scratchy song in farmland. Mm. Yeah. I suppose the rude thing to ask is: Is it financially viable? Does it does it work for you? Well, it always it obviously has done. Um, are we going to be financially viable in the future? No. Well, that's a hard one to ask, but at the moment, this works. Yeah. Farming with wildlife, yeah. farming sensitively like this. I mean, we, we're looking at the politicians and they're it's doing factors, free trade deals yeah. with Australia, New Zealand and possibly America. Yeah. Uh, those are big threats to, to us as farmers. Yeah. But, uh, so that could be an issue in future, being undercut by cheaper... But, but does having a partnership with a brand like Jordan's mean that you feel more secure? I think that's what we've got to do. We've got to... Um, show how we're doing things uh, better for the environment, better for the wildlife, better for the um, diet of the consumer, mm. to um, differentiate ourselves from 
the mass-produced um, chemical yeah. stuff that's going to come in from North America. Some birds of prey coming in. That's that there. It's buzzard. Is that a kestrel or is that a buzzard? I think that's too a, big. There's a kestrel behind. But that that, that, one that little one, yeah. Good. There we go, it's a kestrel. Yeah. So we put a kestrel box, there's one tree halfway down yeah. that long side, isn't there? Yeah. Did you look in those when you came to check? No, you no, didn't get around. Get that far. It's calling. Has it got young? That high pitched. Okay. So we've arrived in this huge field with, what are we? 30, 40, well, how yeah, about 30 plus yeah. calves, cows aren't they? Cows. Yeah. cows and calves, more So a mix of limousine and, and Hereford. Hereford yeah. They're beautiful. Those paler ones, with the that's more the limousine look, is it? Yeah, the, we've, we've had various balls over the years. There's a bit of blonde Aquitaine and a few of the, the pale ones. Blonde Aquitaine. Yeah. So you've got some sort of French, so, yeah, French well, breeds here. Limousine's French. Limousine, yeah, yeah of course. So it's more so the paler. calves are crossbred, so hopefully you get the hybrid figure. Yeah. And we've gone to the new little Hereford bull over the back there. Oh yeah, he's yeah. a very splendid beast. Yeah. He looks he looks like he knows he's quite he's, laid he's, back. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like he knows he's the boss. They're all just watching us with a sort just of wondering what we're doing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all ready to back off at any second. But um so the mix of very dark, this lovely fawn colour, this sort of milk chocolatey colour and then yeah. The pale ones of the spots and the kind of We grey. don't just choose the pretty ones. We, no, <laughs> we look you, at you, you've got mother's your... temperament and behaviour and how much milk and she's got. We, we keep about 10 or a dozen back each year to be Do you have the same science that you use for the sheep, um, for the cows? Yes, or? more in theory. Because um, we, we know them as individuals, we know how much milk they've given and whether their calf's done well or not. We don't, um, so you... we don't scan them or record in that way. Although we do, we pelvic measure the heifers. So the heifers we're intending to keep. The vet measures internal pelvic measurements to work out the, re, re, the chances of difficult carvings and easy carvings. So... Heifers are the young female. Heifers, yeah. yeah, a female cow that calves for the first time, in our case, at two years old. So we'd have them measured. These calves were born February, March time. Okay. They're very, they're so they'll very stay with their mothers till about September, October. Okay. We'll start getting them on some food and, and wean them in the autumn to keep the family can lines going. I you're very fond of these cows. Well, yeah. you get to know the characters. Yeah. And probably the best ones are the ones that just get on with life and don't cause you any trouble at all. Yeah. <laughs> just carve quietly and, and know what to do. But there are some troublesome. Who's troublesome here then? Uh, if they're really troublesome, they're not here. <laughs> <laughs> They've gone on holiday. Yeah, anything that's going to be aggressive, we're not. No, you no. just can't Makes do that. Too difficult. Yeah. No. How many years can a one of these limousine Herefords have a calf? What's the sort of if they habit? stay fit and well and they keep their teeth so they can still graze the grass, I think our oldest cow's about 14, isn't she? Okay, so you go. And that stage, it's usually teeth going. That so you might get ten, 10 calves in that yeah. time? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe yeah. they carve it too, so you might get 11 or 12, 11 12 from, from the longest living ones all being Gosh. well. Because the bull is just sort of. So there's the flies, they're just massing a bit. Here. So he hangs out here, but obviously he's. Will he have mated with them again for next year? No, it'd be too early for that. He's mating with them now. Is he now? He's yeah, mating so he's with them now, so it's a nine-month gestation, gestation same okay. as us. So they'll be weaning, they'll so be still feeding these yeah, calves. They'll feed but these three pregnant with and the next. pregnant. Yeah, right. so we'll have them scanned, have them ultra scanned the same as people to see if they're in calf or not in about September time. So then we'll know who is in calf and who isn't, and then they'll get weaned to come in. The calves will come in for the winter, and the cows will come in when the ground conditions mean they have to, really. Of course, I see. And is he is he a good bull? Has he done his, yes, his, his um, job? Yes. You don't these are his first calves. He's only a youngster. We bought him last year for the used him for the first time. So these will be his offspring. The white faced ones. Do you use his. AI as well? Or? No, no, we don't. We have occasionally in the past, but um, to be honest, because they're out in the field to do AI, you've got to bring them into the yard. Yeah. You've got to first spot them on heat. Yeah. The bull's far better at that than we are. <laughs> and then you've got to hold them, wait in the yard so the chap comes structured to actually technician comes to actually yeah. AI them when they get stressed because they're away from the rest and yeah. it, oh it's, that's really nice yeah, to see I mean it, kind of yeah I know that's yeah, I mean, it's, AI, it's his job so. we let him get on with it yeah really. fantastic I think yeah. for a dairy farm where the cows yes. are coming into the milking parlour twice a day yeah. um, you can easily shed off the one that's bullying for us, it's them, yeah. it's a three-man job to get these uh, in into the uh, road. So yeah. you need two people, not for the cows, but for the drivers. Stopping <laughs> on the, the cars. road. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's probably more hassle than it's worth. 
Yeah. Oh, um, good, good old, good good old bully. Yeah. yeah. Yes, in fact, the last school visit, he gave them a demonstration, Did didn't he? he? <laughs> Very actively in front of the trailer load of school children. So uh, I bet that's They so. came to do food and covered sex education on the same day. <laughs> Very healthy. So, George and Elaine, thank you so much. It's been really inspiring seeing a farm that just seems to work with nature, so full of nature. Um, nice to meet you, Fergus. Congratulations. A really, really delightful day. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. So that was my lovely adventure into Buckinghamshire, a county I don't know very well. Um, but I'm very grateful to George and Elaine Morris, the farmers there, and to and to Polly Ratu from Jordan's for showing me around and showing me that farming with wildlife can really work and be profitable. And it was a really stunning place. I had a, a fantastic day. Yeah, I was really surprised just how much wildlife could be produced. I've been to many, many nature reserves, but I've never actually seen quite so many butterflies in one place as along some of George and Elaine's field margins. And it seems to work. They make they have an arrangement with Jordans, as they explained, where they're paid a dividend by the by Jordans in order to set aside part of their farm for wildlife and. It wasn't just, for them, it definitely wasn't just a box-ticking exercise they could get money. There was a genuine enthusiasm and genuine understanding of the wildlife that they saw, and it was part of their working life. So, really fascinating. Anyway, I'm back in the podcast studio now, and I'm joined just by Jack this week. Jack, hello. Just just the two of us Just today. the two of us. Well, I'm sure there's a song there. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're going to sing it later. Um I'm afraid Hannah, our other regular, is away, not very well at the moment, so get well soon, Hannah, and hope to have you back in the studio shortly for the next episode. But, um, Jack, um, you're, you live out rough, well, on the edge of the countryside. Are you sort of aware of, is there much wildlife, obvious farming with wildlife where you are? Do you sort of find yourself walking with margins of wildflowers? Or? I think it's interesting. I think in the uh, town where, where I live, Especially this year, they, they did all the No Mo May stuff, which oh. I know we, we've spoken about before. And it feels like this year, there's a, a, some bits of that have stuck around longer than they have before. And I feel like I'm noticing, I think, especially this year, I think after uh, all the lockdowns and stuff like that. And I think that was a moment to really notice that when everything stopped, nature sort of came back. And I think everyone enjoyed that. And there was something about it that people went, hang on, if we've got this back now, we should probably try and keep this a bit and I think now we're maybe starting to see that sort of turn of trying to go back to what we had before without ruining and getting rid of what we've gained from yeah I see what you mean it's like we're trying to get back yes we're trying to return to normal life but hopefully well that's a really that's a hopeful thing that you say because I've seen both sides I guess mm. some people wanting to just really get back as fast as yeah, possible yeah. and get the economy working and others who are like yeah, taking time out and thinking, I want to see more in the wildlife in my, not just my garden or my park, but on the farmland that I yeah, walk yeah, through. Yeah. Obviously, with this with this arrangement with George and Elaine, you know, there's this cereals and other products that are made from their crops, which have clearly labelled wildlife friendly mm. cereals. So people go into the shops, and if you love wildlife, you might be tempted. I mean, is that something that would tempt you if you were in in the shops and it's sort of said on your butter, this butter was made with, uh, you know, butterflies in my, oh, by, <laughs> by the butterfly, but you know, made with, with, and they could prove on the, on the packaging how much land had been set aside yeah. for nature. I, th- I think that, I definitely think I would be sort of nudged towards that. I think, again, it would be that sort of 
trying to prove is I think is always the problem. I think with a lot yeah. of environmental stuff, it is the actually being able to see that what they are saying is factually correct, yeah, and it, it's yeah. not like they're. It is the whole trying to do it just to say that put the badge on their on their block of butter or whatever. Well, hopefully there are. I mean, things like the Soil Association and mm. other organisations we've talked of. There are organisations that have organic accreditation. Mm. There's leaf. There's all sorts of things out there, and they do assess the quality of of the kind of habitats that and the quality of the produce but mm. it's hard to say and there's a lot of people who will put this on their packaging i suspect without enough monitoring of it we have stringent regulations in britain but i think on paper but often it's not followed in practice just because there's not enough people mm. doing the monitoring anyway it's a very so in some ways, this is a this isn't a government thing. This is a private company monitoring its own farmers, mm. and um, I don't see why it can't happen. Though I think mm. if, even if you look at eggs, I, know, mm. I don't know what, about sort of the rest of the world, but I know here I wouldn't consider buying not free range eggs. Mm. And I think maybe years ago that wouldn't have been so much of a you would, wouldn't really have minded. But I think because of what you know about that sort of conditions, I would always go free range. Yeah, and. There's maybe there's potential that it's something similar to that that could happen with, for example, butter or other farm free range sort butter, of goods, yeah, 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 or something like. You know that that one's been better for the environment, mm. or be- like we we know a lot of stuff like the free range is better for the animal. Um, so maybe knowing that actually the product you've bought is not doing damage to the environment is is helping the environment. That that may be enough to sway you to buy it. I think that would be interesting. I don't think there's enough labelling out there about you could walk around the supermarket and probably find a few products that really, you know, might have a few bees on them and or a few the word organic yeah, seems yeah. to be Well with the yeah, with the Soil Association mm-hmm. sort of accreditation. But I you know, it there might there, the problem is we're in a kind of cost of living crisis where people are going around the supermarket going well i'd like to buy a beer that was mm. wildlife friendly and says it's made from sort of whatever bar a barley or that's been grown in this way but actually i can't afford it and i'm going to go mm. for the, the cheap stuff and that's kind of a re- we're in a difficult place so we have to be really it'd be really good to see someone explain on the packaging that actually the saving is for the environment, but maybe mm. that's that's hard for people to take on board. Anyway, listeners, tell us what you think. Is that a good idea, having more wildlife-friendly labelling, explaining where things come from? Um, you can always get in touch with us. And my email address, editor at countryfile.com, is where you can find me. Send any thoughts about the podcast, because we'd mm. love to hear them. Love to... Brilliant to hear everyone's views on that. I mean, yeah. that's, it's a really interesting discussion. Some cunning ideas for how we could label things to show that they were farmed or created sustainably as possible. Mm. Funnily, when I was at George and Elaine's, there's not had any rain for quite a long time and it was looking pretty parched, although, interestingly, all the areas where there were wildflowers and wild plants growing didn't look parched at all. Mm. It was all sort of long and beautiful and flowery and full of life. But there definitely there'd been a lack of water. And I don't think there's been any water since. And in fact, since then, we've had... It's been very dry. <laughs> very dry. We've had the heat wave, which today... I'm seeing weather maps. It's the 19th of July we're recording this, mm. which might go down in history as the first time the UK saw 40 degrees temperatures, which is really very disturbing. Yeah. And I, you know, all the people saying, "Oh, it's just just summer." Um, I, I, yeah, I find that really. It's not just summer. Look at look at the long range heat maps yeah. and how things are. Anyway, we could get into this. That oh, might be a later that's podcast. That's a whole podcast yeah. in that. <laughs> happy to hear your thoughts on it. I'm happy, we're happy to we'll, we'll look into all this. But anyway, the heat. Wow, it's so hot outside. And we were actually in a cool, our cool basement plod, yeah. plod studio. And um, I thought it'd be a good idea to drink something refreshing. <laughs> cool cool so, off. So, so we, we've, all got, we've gone out bravely into the desert to find a favourite drink to share and um, well, Jack, you can go first. Well, I, I saw when you you asked uh, to bring along a refreshing drink, yeah. and uh, I was thinking for a little bit, and I was like, "What what drink is there that you know when I have it, I'm really like, oh, that's good on a hot day. That's really refreshing." And so I've brought in a rhubarb with crisp apple 
Sparkling rhubarb with crisp apple. Sparkling okay. drinks. Oh, sparkling. Good. Okay, lovely. Um, lovely. And I will say it's from the vending machine, which is refrigerated, so it is nice and cold. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So we've not gone too far into the desert. No, I'll crack him open. Great. Okay. That's a satisfying can sound. As you can sound. But I, it has been, I mean, it has been so hot. We're very lucky in the office that we've got good air conditioning, but going outside, it is, feels like somebody's just sucked all the air out of the city and it's um it's very um heaven knows what it's doing to our wildlife and farmers yeah if you're in a warm country and you've ever experienced sort of that you go from a cold room open the door and it sort of hits you like a wall of heat that's sort of what we're getting at the moment and it's it's a very bizarre feeling especially for i think in the uk yeah it's just not not normal at all and people say oh go on holiday to find this sort of thing yes you go on holiday to find (laughs) that sort of thing not sort of yeah, I, I know a builder who is not able to work these two days, doesn't get paid. Mm. It's just too hot, too dangerous to work in this sort of heat. But happily, we're going to hydrate. We'll give this and, a go. Uh, smells interesting. Oh, it's not that sweet. It's really, really nice. Not too fizzy either, but no. strongly rhubarby. It's very sort of, it's that tart, tart rhubarb mm. flavour. Oh, that's good. Yeah, dry. It's not mm. as... Uh, Oh, I like that. That's better than what I've brought. <laughs> it's slightly annoying, but I know I've been. You've introduced me to something new. I might have to. I think it, I, I'll be honest. I, I've only really stumbled across this drink quite recently. I think it was one way. I, I can't even remember. I think a really boring story. I think I might have been on fire marshal training, and I popped out for lunch, and this was just looking at me in the cupboard, and I thought, I'll, I'll, I'll I give think that that's a go. Very appropriate. Fire, uh, <laughs> fire marshal training in the heat wave. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, I gave it a go, and I think it's it's really nice because I think it's everyone always says when it's a sort of sunny day, you want to crack open a, one of those cold fizzy drinks that's mm. not really good for you, and I think you get that nice cold slight fizz, but it's that really sort of that fruitiness, mm. and I think we're, I know with this one, it's not. As bad for you as uh, some some fizzy so drinks. Like Eighteen be. spoons of sugar. Yeah, can, it's. Yeah. I think it's one that's yeah. um, mentioning no names. Yeah, yeah, it's very. I think when I looked at it, it's sort of apple juice, rhubarb, and a bit of fizz. Yeah. I, I think that's sort of the the main component. So it's it is really really fruity, really nice. And I don't think you. I think rhubarb's an unappreciated fruit. Right, it's totally. a fruit. Rhubarb is it a fruit? Jack, you stumped oh, me. Oh, I'm really? not sure. I think it's. Well, that's a weird one. I mean, it's I, have, I grow lots of rhubarb and eat a lot of it because it's you sort of keep picking it; it keeps growing. Um, I've never juiced it though, and I think no. that might be a way of dealing with it with some of the sort of huge, huge harvests that I get. Normally, it just gets stewed into various like, crumbles, bre- crumbles, puddings. Breakfast, I eat loads of it for mm. breakfast, just sort of stewed. But a very underrated, very underrated. Vegetable. <laughs> it, it must be. There's that thing about fruit ha- having to have seeds, isn't there? Yeah, I think it's a vegetable. It's got to be a vegetable. It's a sweet. It's a, I mean, raw rhubarb. Yeah, it's, it's a, it is so tart, so they must have put some sugar in there with the apple juice. But unless it's come from Yorkshire, where they force it in the dark, mm. and there's sort of almost a mystic ceremony about forcing rhubarb so it's sweet and pink yeah. and lovely. But, uh, well, thank you, Jack. That's a good one. Um, how about, and I'm going to pour Let's you some of this. Yeah, this is... um. There we go. Have yourself a glass. Have yourself a glass of this um, cloudy apple juice. It's got that nice summery colour to it. It's in like it, a cup oh, drink where you're like, yeah. you know what, I think this would be really refreshing. Mellow, isn't it? It's um, So I like, this isn't fizzy. It's quite sweet. Mm. Very sweet after yours. But I quite like juice as a thirst quencher, sweet juice, just because it's got that sort of peely end to it that's that sort of slightly weird taste of apple peel very nice yeah. but kind of it's, it's not that artificial no, no you, you is... get sort of the cartons of apple concentrate yeah, juice yeah which is like looks like a sort of well it, it's so it's like peaty it's like tea almost yeah in the color but ooh. no this it tastes you can t- taste that it's it, there has been actual apple touch yeah, in this, yeah, and it, it feels like it's just been pressed, and you've kind of got a bit of everything in it. Yeah, no sugar added. This is just a blend from Somerset apples with oh, added vitamin C to reduce discoloration. That's very interesting. Um, so there we go, all the way from 
from Somerset, so not far away at all. I prefer yours because it's drier. It's not as sweet. I think that I would go for your rhubarb. Uh, so, um, well, good. Thank you very much for bringing in some no, tasty, tasty treats. I can cope with the, the next few hours of heat wave as I skulk in the shade before I go to bed. <laughs> if anything, I'm too cold now. Yeah, get, get the heat yeah, on. I know, I know. People are wearing jumpers in this office. Moving on, moving on. We've got, we do have a sound of the week that's been sent in to us. We do. This one's not come far. <laughs> no, no. You can tell us who this is from. So this one is um, Brittany from our podcast team. She's been away recently and uh, she recorded this sound. And I, I guess, for this one, I'll play it first. Yes. And then have a little bit of a guess. Okay. And then uh, we'll go into it. So that's a weird. Uh, recorded at night, I believe it was sort of yeah, getting to towards night. I think is that it's difficult to get to hear because I think uh, obviously she's a distance away, and uh, but you can kind of just hear yeah, that in I the can background. work out. There's some, there's some. Um, do you know where it was recorded? In the Cotswolds. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Well, that doesn't narrow it down very much, but I would. It's a hiss. Which I reckon, if it's at night or well, I, owls is my guessing. Is that what she is? That what Brittany thinks? Yes, I think uh, Brittany's made a guesstimation at this uh, that it is some uh, owls, more specifically, some sort of owl chick. What they call yeah, it? Ba- yeah, chicks. Owl chi- chicks. Ow- owlets. Owlets. That's the yeah. one. Some little owlets hissing, demanding that they get fed. Yeah. Now I wonder. Gosh, there could be. I don't know my owl chick noises. Uh, so that could be barn or tawny. I know it's definitely not long-eared owls because they make a really horrible noise like a rusty gate swinging <laughs> in the wind. It's, it's, it's something I've only heard a couple of times. But, um, yeah, barn or, um, or, or tawny owl. Yeah. If anyone knows, let any, us know. Any owl know. fans any, out there? Yeah, any owl chick for owlet fans. Brilliant. Uh, we, lo- we, do, we love to get sounds of the week, just little little tasters of things that people here out in the wild. So if you've heard anything and you get a chance to record it on your phone, it's just a delight to hear it and it really makes our day. Plus we'll play it in the in the podcast and those who haven't heard it yet will try and guess it. Yeah, and I, I think even, even if you, have, you feel like you haven't recorded it or picked it up fully, that was Brittany, it was on her phone. Yeah, And like we said, there's there's quite a bit of background noise into it, but there's enough there that we can still, we'll still pick it give out. it a listen. Yeah. Obviously, if you've got a decent bit of recording equipment, even better. But <laughs> we, we love that. And um, where, as I say, you can contact me on editor at countryfile.com. Just sound, send the sound file over and we'll have a listen. And that's about it for this episode. Um, thank you, Jack. Lots of interesting stuff to chew over and drink. Uh, we're back next week with more, with another visit to Somerset and apples again. We're sending Annabelle off to check out a cider orchard, which is going to be really fun. We are. So that we are indeed. And um, again, another farmer working with nature to create a lovely product. So tune in next week. But for now, thanks so much for listening and goodbye.